Let's make today the day you get one step closer to becoming the parent you've always wanted to be and the parent your children deserve. Hi, and welcome to Powerful Parenting for Today's Kids. I am your host, Erin Taylor, and I have wanted to help parents and children literally since I was 11 years old. I created this podcast to help you make a stronger, healthier, deeper connection to your child, to understand the inevitable challenges a little better, and learn some new ways to navigate them when they occur. Thank you for spending some time with me. Now let's get this show started. Hello and welcome to episode 267. Today I wanted to share some insights with you that I gained from a conversation that I had with my mother-in-law last weekend. It was so I made I made a connection that I had never made about my childhood and it was so clear to me how our environment how strongly our environment impacts us. It was it was amazing the the insight and the connection that I made and I couldn't wait to come here and share it with you guys. When I was growing up, my mom stayed home from work for the first year of my life and then money got so tight that she had to go back to work. So from age one to two, my aunt watched me. But then at age two, because it was, I guess it was hard to find daycare at that point for an un-potty trained child. So once I became potty trained around age two, my parents found a daycare somewhat near my house, which I then went to. The daycare wasn't in my town, and so... My parents got, when I eventually got to school time, my parents got special permission for me to go to the elementary school that was in the next town over from me because they would drop me off on their way to work. The bus would come and pick up me and the other kids and then drop us off after school and then our parents would come pick us up. Anyway, this daycare, nursery school slash daycare is no longer in business, which is very good to know. But when I was going there, I hated it. I hated going there. It was not a nice place to be. I do have some good memories of playing with my friends there and things like that. But overall, it wasn't a very nice place. The teachers and the adults who worked there, some of them were nondescript in my memory, so they must not have made much of an impact but there were a couple that were not nice. They were very mean, and I, I hated it. And I used to beg my parents all the time, please don't make me go back there. Find somewhere else for me to go. I hate it there. Please don't make me go back. But what I realized is that I never articulated to them why I hated it. They just thought I hated it. And so I grew up thinking that I told them the reasons why I hated it and they just didn't didn't 
do anything about it. I don't want to say didn't care, but didn't do anything about it. My parents cared deeply and they were fabulous, wonderful parents. We had a an amazing relationship uh, until they both died. And it wasn't that they didn't care. But anyway, here are some of the things that this daycare would do. I stayed at this daycare from the age of two until fifth grade when I graduated elementary school, at which point I convinced my parents to let me stay home and be a latchkey kid as a sixth grader. And so I stayed at this nursery school daycare for a really long time. And there were a handful of other kids who stayed there because their parents worked too, and they were older kids like me. I, as a child, was known as a very fierce child with a huge temper and very aggressive. And when I was at this nursery school, I would, there was a boy who I think liked me in hindsight, but I didn't understand that then. And he was always nudging me and annoying me and following me around and talking to me. And I really didn't want to be bothered by him. And one time I kept saying, stop bothering me, get away from me, get out of my face. And he wouldn't leave me alone. And so I grabbed him by the shirt collar and I pulled him up really close to me. And I said, you better leave me alone or else. Well, in the process of pulling his, grabbing his shirt and pulling him towards me, I ripped the pocket off of his shirt. And then I had to explain to his mother when she came to pick him up why I ripped his shirt. So that was a little uncomfortable. And then... Another boy, I don't even know how this was allowed even back then, another boy brought two sets of boxing gloves to to the nursery school, the daycare, and me and the older kids would box each other, and it was only me and the boys. The, the girls weren't partaking in this, but I certainly was, and I pretty much beat up all the other boys. No one beat me in these boxing matches. I had so much aggression in me, and I just took it out on them ferociously. And so I had all these different, I have all these different memories of times when I was really a, a, a mean kid. I was tough. I was aggressive. I was mean. And if you know me now, if you knew me, if you know me as a person in my life, or if you listen to this podcast, it probably comes as a shock because there's nothing about me that is mean, aggressive, bully-like. So I thought it was very strange. I never really understood why I was so different as a child than I am now. And I remember that it changed like a light switch when I went to sixth grade. I never was mean to another kid. I never yelled at anybody. I never got in a fight. The aggression was completely gone. And I always wondered and I thought, well, maybe it stopped when I, I guess maybe puberty started when sixth grade started and I changed. I don't know. But then when I was talking to my mother-in-law last weekend, I made a connection Another thing that I remember is when I was in third grade, I, I was I was very, uh, I loved animals all through childhood. I had chickens growing up, rabbits, birds, hamsters, 
I was a total animal lover. And I had such a soft, huge, throbbing heart. I was so compassionate and kind and loving. When I was in third grade, there was a girl who was very obviously, she very obviously came from a uh, a poor family. She came to school with, she only had a few outfits. They were dirty. You could tell they weren't washed. Her hair would be greasy and have some flakes in it. She smelled, her, her sneakers were old and ratty. It was just obvious that this girl wasn't getting the kind of care at home that the rest of us were getting. And she didn't have a lot of friends. I think a lot of kids judged her because of the way she looked and the way she dressed and the fact that her hair wasn't clean most days. And it really bothered me. And it bothered me to the point where I went home one day and I asked my dad if he would take me to the store to buy a new box of crayons and a coloring book because there was this girl at school and it made me feel really sad that she didn't have any friends and she always was by herself at recess. So of course my dad, being the awesome person that he was, took me right to the store that night and bought a new box of crayons and a brand new coloring book and I took it to school the next day and invited this girl to sit with me at recess and color. And she said yes. And so we spent that school year coloring at recess, playing on the playground, and I really wrapped my arms around this girl trying to help her the way other I didn't see other kids doing. And so I always knew that I had this deeply compassionate side of me as a child, and then I also had this aggressive streak in me as a child. But then when I went to sixth grade, that aggressive streak was gone. And then I started thinking back to any mean things I did as a child. And I realized that every single one of them without fail, 100% of the mean things that I did occurred in that daycare. They all occurred in that daycare. Outside of that daycare, at home, at school, anywhere else I was, I was the kind, compassionate, sweet, loving child that everybody knew me to be. But in that daycare, I was like the Incredible Hulk, like I was possessed. You might wonder why. Well, here are some of the things that went on in this daycare. One day, there was, when we were the older kids, and in the older section, the older kids section, uh, we would eat snacks and lunch there while we were there, during the summertime at least. And they had a refrigerator, I remember, that was stocked with half gallons of milk for snack time and lunch time and stuff. Well, as they would use the milk, they'd bring in another shipment and they'd put more milk in the fridge. There must have been one carton of milk in the back that got left there, you know, stuck there and it never got used. It kept getting new milk put in front of it. So one day at lunchtime, this particular teacher, and I think a lot of the problems occurred with this teacher, not all of them, but she poured the milk and I remember it came out 
yellow and chunky and it smelled horrible like sour milk and so she poured it for us and we immediately looked at it tasted it smelled and said oh no this is sour milk we can't have this and she forced us to drink sour milk she forced us to drink that curdled lumpy glass of milk it was horrific I I can remember it distinctly now it was horrible and it was so horrible that for probably 20 years after that I wouldn't go near like I always had to check the carton of milk the expiration if it was even three days from the expiration I refused to drink it and even to this day I don't drink milk that often but if I do drink milk or if I drink almond milk, it doesn't matter. If it's a carton with white liquid in it, I'm going to look at the expiration date and I'm going to smell it because there's no way I'm ever putting sour milk in my mouth again. So this is one of the things that, that she forced us to do. Some days, I think usually on Fridays, they would have pizza, but they would get make your own pizza. So they would get the pizza crust, they would put the sauce on, the cheese and stuff, and then cook it and then serve it to all the kids and they would serve the younger kids first and then they would serve the middle-aged kids and then they would serve us older kids last well a few times they would run out of cheese to put on the pizza and so we would get essentially a pizza crust with sauce and oh well there's no cheese suck it up and I didn't actually know at the time but tomato pie is actually a thing in Pennsylvania you actually pay money to intentionally buy pizza without cheese on it. I never even knew this was a thing. And where I grew up, it wasn't a thing, and people didn't do it. If you didn't have cheese, you didn't eat pizza. But they forced us to eat pizza with no cheese because they'd rather do that, I guess, than run out and buy more or, or give us something else or whatever. So that was probably one of the most minor things they did. They also used to serve oh, squash that was pureed and lukewarm and no offense sorry if it makes you ill it looked like vomit and they would force us to eat it whether we wanted to or not they would force us to eat this vile disgusting mushy bland lukewarm squash it took me another couple of decades before I could even let a piece of squash touch my lips now I can eat it I will not eat it pureed but now I can eat it if it's cut and sautéed and, you know, spiced and stuff like that. I can tolerate it. But it took me probably until my late 30s before I could even conceive of eating it. We were forced to eat lukewarm, disgusting, mushy beets. Like, what kid likes to eat beets? But we were forced to eat them whether we wanted them or not. This same woman who made us eat, drink sour milk... She had a ring that was kind of like a, I guess, a high school ring or something like that with a big lump on the top of it, like a rounded stone lump. She would turn the ring upside down so the lump was on the palm of her hand and she would hit kids over the head with it so that they would be hit with the lump of her ring. I mean, these are horrible things that happened. Not the worst of the worst. It's not the worst thing I've ever heard happen, but they were bad. They were, we were definitely mistreated. I remember with the younger kids, we had to go upstairs uh, 
to the younger area, that's where all the parents would come and pick their kids up after work. And if a younger kid was acting up, I remember multiple kids this happening to, the teacher had a stool next to the window where they where the parents would pull up so they would see what parent was arriving. If a kid acted up, they would make the kid she would make the kid come over and pull their pants down and then they would have to climb up on this tall stool, like climb up and put their own body over her lap on this tall stool so that their bare bottom was exposed to the whole room of kids and they would she would spank them on the bottom and they would be crying and it was horrific. I know that spanking back then was completely uh, seen as an okay activity. I don't know how it was ever seen as okay for someone who's not your parent. I don't believe in spanking, but I mean, to have a teacher spank you, that is so preposterous to me and outlandish. I can't even, I don't even know where to begin with that. So this was a terrible place that treated the kids horribly. And as a result, I acted horribly. But I never acted that way when I was at home with my loving parents. I never acted that way when I was in school with my loving teachers. I had fabulous teachers. My teachers were rock stars in elementary school. I loved every single one of them. They were amazing teachers. So when I was in those loving environments, I wasn't acting like a wild beast or the Incredible Hulk. I was the kind, compassionate, sweet child that was inside of me always. But when you put me in that environment that was so toxic, where people were being so mean, the adults who were supposed to protect and care for the kids, were mistreating the kids, then I turned into a beast and a bully and the Incredible Hulk. And then as soon as my parents took me out of that environment at the end of fifth grade and let me stay home, and then I went to sixth grade, I never again acted that way. Literally, as soon as they took me out of that environment, that side of me disappeared. And... I found it to be so, I was so amazed when I made this connection talking to my mother-in-law last week. I wanted to share all of that with you guys here. That These are some deep childhood memories that I have. I wanted to share all of that with you here because it applies so much to parenting and child rearing and child behavior. The other thing that I realized about growing up in that nursery school, aside from being forced to eat food I didn't like, all of the cases where there was corporal physical punishment for the kids with the spanking and hitting you on the head with your ring and all that kind of stuff, all of those incidents never involved me. I don't recall ever being spanked. I don't recall that one woman ever hitting me on the head with her ring, but I recall seeing it done to other people. And I think that I just must have decided that I would be my own tornado and no one was going to mess with me. If I was fierce and aggressive and tough and nasty, then who's going to try to hit me on the head? Because I may hit them back, right? Who's going to try to spank me? I might spank them. So I think I created my own tornado 
of behaviors to protect myself from being, from receiving their corporal punishment. And how many times do we see kids, whether it's our own, whether it's kids that we know, who are acting out and we think they're quote unquote being bad or misbehaving or it's something wrong with them. Look at how clear cut it was for me in my childhood. When you took me out of that toxic environment, I was able to be who I naturally was. But you put me in that toxic environment and I turned into the Incredible Hulk. So when it really reminds me of the iceberg that I'm always talking about. When our kids are acting up, there's a really good reason why they're doing it. It might have something to do with some way that we're treating them that we need to alter. It might have something to do with something the outside world is doing to them. If they're being mistreated in school, if they're being mistreated in daycare, if they're being mistreated by a peer or a friend, they're going to act out accordingly. Or if they're hungry or tired or in pain or something like that, they're going to act accordingly. So it's really important when you are looking at your child's what I call undesirable behaviors to try and figure out why. Why are they acting that way? What's causing them to act that way? What could be contributing to it? Maybe they know and maybe they don't. Maybe you have to go on a deep detective mission to try and figure it out. Maybe it's the diet that they're eating. Maybe they're eating foods that are triggering certain behaviors. Some kids really act out when they eat artificial dyes. I mean, it could be any host of things. But rather than getting stuck on the behavior, if my parents had been stuck on the behavior that I showed or what I presented in the daycare, they would think I was the most awful child ever. But they didn't think that way. Oh, one final follow-up to that is I went all the way through my low 20s thinking that I told my parents what happened, what would go on in that daycare, and they just didn't take me out for some reason that I couldn't understand. And I ended up having a conversation with my dad, and I was probably 22 or 23 at the time, and the daycare came up. I don't even know why. Maybe it was because we found that it had closed or something. But the daycare came up, and I said to him, why... Why did you guys never take me out of that place when I hated it so much and I told you all the terrible things that happened there? And he said, no, you didn't. What terrible things happened? And so I started laundry listing some of these things that I shared with you today, and he was mortified. He was traumatized. He was appalled. He was so upset. And he said, you never told us that. If you had said even one of those things, we wouldn't have taken you back the next day. If we had to quit work and, and go on welfare to pay our bills, we wouldn't have made you go back there. There's no way. We would have called the police and had them shut down. And so then I started thinking about, well, how come I thought all that time that I told them and they didn't do anything? How, how is that possible? And then a memory came back to me. I remember me and the older kids sitting in a circle talking about how we were being treated and the terrible things that were going on. And we discussed, should we go home and tell our parents? 
maybe we should tell what well, we were particularly talking about that one teacher who used to hit people over the head with her rings and make us drink sour milk and all that stuff. Maybe we should go home and tell our parents. Maybe they'll call the police and have this place shut down. But then collectively, collectively, we came to the erroneous conclusion that adults will prefer to believe other adults over kids because kids aren't as believable, I guess. That's the weird, wrong conclusion that we came to. And we said, if we go home and tell someone, if we go home and tell our parents and they call up the school questioning what we're saying, the school will go to the teacher. She'll deny everything. The school will believe her. Our parents will believe her. And then she's really going to take it out on us because we ratted her out. And nobody did, nobody's going to do anything about it. And then she's really going to abuse us. That's the erroneous conclusion that we came to. And that was shocking to me when that memory surfaced for me, that that's what we came to as a group back then. And it makes me think about our kids. And I've always told my children that if anything happens, if anyone does anything that they don't like, that hurts them, that makes them uncomfortable, if they witness something being done to another child that makes them uncomfortable, that they know is wrong, they must come to me. I don't care what it is or who did it or how bad it is. We will deal with it. Never think that you have to do this to deal with these things on your own. Never think that I won't believe you. Come to me and we will sort it all out. So that's, uh, hmm. I just told you my whole sordid childhood. Uh, I feel like I had a beautiful childhood. I had the most incredible parents a child could ever ask for. I had wonderful experiences. I had great friends. And these things happened, but I didn't internalize them, except in the moment when I was acting out. I didn't carry them with me. They didn't damage my self-esteem. And I think what I came out of that experience with personally is knowing how strong I am, knowing that I'm never going to let anybody push me around, that I'm capable, I'm intelligent, and I can take care of myself. And so the experiences I had in that nursery school actually strengthened my sense of self. But again, I wasn't the one being mistreated other than being forced to eat food that was disgusting. But I wasn't being physically harmed. I wonder, I don't have contact with those kids anymore, but I wonder how it affected them as they grew up and became adults and became parents themselves. I wonder how that type of treatment and those traumatic experiences, how that must have impacted them. How we treat our kids and how other people treat our kids is so, so, it has such a profound effect on them for their entire lives. It's so important, at least as parents, that we keep open lines of communication with our children and do our best to show up as the best parent that we can be and to keep working on ourselves, 
keep working and growing as a parent so that we can give them the parent that they deserve, that is their inherent birthright, the best parent that they can get because that's what they deserve. So I hope my long rambling story gives you some ideas, insights, awareness, whatever that will help you in your parenting with your children. And thank you for listening to this long episode and all these long stored memories of my childhood. I hope you've found something valuable in it. So that wraps up today's episode. Wherever you are in this world, I hope you make it a peaceful, loving day. That wraps up this episode of Powerful Parenting for Today's Kids. If you know anyone who could benefit from this episode or this podcast in general, please share it with them. Also, I always love hearing feedback from my listeners. I welcome you to send me an email to erin at erin-taylor.com if you have any comments or questions that come up for you in an episode. Our children are our future. Parenting them is the most sacred task we will ever be asked to do. It truly does take a village to raise a child. Let's help each other to raise our children to be who it is they are meant to be. If at any point you feel like you need a little extra help and support, reach out to me. I am here to help you.